What a banger that intro is. As always, welcome back to the USL show. We have a whole lot going on uh, this week in the USL world. I mean, every single facet of the USL world is going, and we cannot be more excited about it. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of everything, um, some quick stuff. Tomorrow, episode two of Kit Season comes out. On Thursday, we got Ryan taking over um, our the short show. On Friday, no away days. But spoiler, next week we're not going to have one, but two away days. One being the New Mexico match, and the other one being Louisville versus uh, Indy. That's going to be really cool. And there's a chance, and we'll put some more stuff uh, into the onto Twitter about it, but possible merch on the way. So let us uh, know how you feel about that. But that's not what we're here for at the moment. Let's talk about all the USL crap. Uh, let's start with Ryan. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing well tonight. I'm here to start talking about my Loudoun United 2022 USL Championship campaign, or should I pump <laughs> the brakes on that tattoo yet? <laughs> Never too early. <laughs> Never too early. Please do it. <laughs> John, you look like you already want to respond to something. I mean, I think it's an affront that other people are claiming to be first on the Loudon bandwagon when I've been on this thing since January. You claim them to be eighth. Not you never got tattooed. It's a little different. I'm, how kidding, are I'm you kidding, of course. How are you doing, John? Well, I've got the tramp stamp already, so. <laughs> <laughs> you doing all right? <laughs> never better. <laughs> what a start. Alan, how you doing, my man? I mean, how do I top that? Like, I don't think I can. Two so, tramp stamps. I mean, two tramp stamps. <laughs> Double, double it up, double the pleasure, double the fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see a team do this. This is like RGV last time, so like, let's hope they can sustain it. And uh, I mean, I'm always rooting for chaos in the East. Like, I don't have to worry about it. So if Loudon wants to go and like bust everyone's playoff bracket, like I say, go for it. The more chaos, the better. Um. So by the way. We're going to get to this in a moment. Uh, on my other screen, Westchester just took the lead in extra time, a battle of two USL League Two uh, teams. Westchester was down 2-0 at one point. Uh, so this is quite the twist. Uh, Phil, uh, I want to ask you how you're doing, but in more than one way, um, you are still last on the pick'em. Yeah, I mean, are you okay? <laughs> I'm I'm doing just fine. Like like Loudon, I'm gonna, uh, you know, they came bursting out of the gates, but there's there's you know they're gonna regress to the mean, and likewise, you know, some of the people on this panel are gonna they're gonna suffer like I have, you know, and let let it be known, I'm I think I'm still within one point, and I was I had a horrible week last week, and I'm still within one point of of the next two, so let's let's not uh. You know, it's week two. We're not hitting any panic buttons yet. That's that goes for both my pick'em career and for my USL club. 
like I said, there surely there was an El Paso joke in there somewhere, but <laughs> we will get to that eventually. Um, so we have uh, U.S. Open Cup two League Two teams playing right now, which is uh, great. Um, always fun to watch USL League Two representing. And then tomorrow we have Des Moines, uh, who is the defending USL League Two champions versus um, is it it is Minneapolis City, right? And I always want to say it's uh, Minnesota, and I know that's wrong. Minneapolis City, the Crows. Um, so that should be a really exciting match between champions of League Two and a team that has just been massacring everybody else that they've ever played in every league that they've played in. So should be a ton of fun for that. Uh, any thoughts on that or move on to some, you know, as we are the official word on all things Crest move on to something else. I mean, I'm just excited that there's actually U.S. Open Cup games going on. Um, I haven't scanned through, but if it's anything like USL season, there'll be like 42 red cards. So I'm looking to, to see how that goes. That's what's been blowing up my pickums. It's like I pick a team that I think is going to win, and then they get a red card. And then I'm like, well, there goes there goes that. That's not That's the thing that's not happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That that's been killing, I think, everybody. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the Lexington Sporting Club. So, a, I'm a big fan of the colors. Always a big fan of teams coming in with green. I feel like it's just an underused color. But what are y'all's thoughts on the new branding? I thought it looked pretty decent. It's um. We have another team in the league that has that kind of green and neon look to it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a pretty solid crest. And honestly, just the simplistic design of it kind of just makes the crest. Would I, you say that it's clean? Mm. <laughs> mm. See, I, is I it? Think, I think it's. I think it's a nice. I think it's a nice badge. I don't know. I think it's fine. People were clowning on it for what looking like uh was it the far Ferrari logo Ferrari. maybe or something? Irish like that. Ferrari. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was into it. It I mean we mock the clean comment, but it is a clean looking logo. Like the color scheme is nice. It captures the Kentuckian sort of symbology. I'm here for it. I mean, if that uh if that downtown stadium turns out to be a thing, holy that I mean, Lexington is about to be popping. I like Lexington as a, as a city personally, anyway. Um, Andy, that is a great question. There were no mountains, but horses are known to be able to go up mountains, so I'm sure we'll get there eventually. Um, last I checked, I don't remember a mountain in Lexington, but I don't think I was sober last time I was in sex in Lexington, so I, I don't remember, <laughs> um, but. Anyway, any other thoughts on the on the branding, or do we want to go on to uh, what was a fiasco of the USL Championship? No? All right. So, uh, we need to talk about the title of this week's live stream, and that is All the Dang Red Cards. Now, I'm going to admit, I took some heat on Twitter over my or my comment about how many red cards there have been. Granted, 
it came in a moment of saltiness because Legion just got a red card. Um, it was deserved, but I was a little salty. Um, does it feel like to you guys, and I'm going to start with Ryan on this one. Does the league, does the, do the players look any more reckless than normal or does it look like pro refs are just finally starting to control their crap? I don't know. We have two or three teams already on two red cards this year in Indy 11, Los Dos, and New York Red Bulls too. And then you have a bunch more who already have picked up a red card. So I, I'm curious, like if we go further on in the year, if we see refs try to like, just let them play a bit further, or if they're like, this is them trying to like very much control the game and not take, not let the players kind of dictate the play, but it just, it, it really like, impacts how the game is played if you dole out a red card at the 20th minute and then the entire kind of game plan for our coach goes out the window hey ryan uh i just got word from pro that um they have preemptively given los dos a red card for this weekend so we can add that to the totals um yeah preemptive red card they want a preemptive strike they want to come in hot to try and control the game right away so now los dos is on three i believe Low stress does not roll off the tongue as well. <laughs> I think the question was asked, like, are these legitimate red cards? And I think the answer to the, most of them is, like, probably. There's, like, the couple we've discussed are were, like, that needs to be overturned. And that some of them have. Uh, I think the tough one I saw this weekend was Hartford, that second yellow. And it's, like, you don't get VAR. You see a high boot toward a head based on where the official, like the center official was, I think I put the the picture in the USL discord. It's like, how are you not going to give a card in that situation? Right. Cause if let's say the boot does go and make contact or gets close to making contact and you don't do anything, imagine the blowback of dude had his boot up in his face and you gave him nothing. Uh, so the refs are in a tough position when those kind of those bang, bang plays. I think that's why you have a review process. Um, some of them have been right on. I think there was one that was like uh, Preston Judd got tackled in the box. That I thought was an interesting red card. Um, but I, I think most of them have been pretty legit. And I think Kaler's frozen. <laughs> that was a beautiful time to be frozen. Like, No, no, it was not frozen. I, no, I think um, Motown right. just scored, actually. Motown did not score... <laughs> It just oh, got God. sold off. Ooh. Oh, Anyways. That's harsh. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I kind of want to speak a little bit about a few, a few of them. And most of these have been double yellows, but I feel like I feel like in years past, and obviously this goes into the whole conversation we're having, but I I feel like a lot of these double yellows have not been given in the past, personally. Um, for example, um, Alex Cornelis, Uh, Granted, this is my team, but this is also the one that I watch most closely. Did he deserve that second yellow? 100%. But um, I will say in years past, or even last year, I've seen the same foul not be given or not get a yellow card for it. So maybe they are trying to tighten it up. And if they if they are trying to tighten it up, I wonder if Pro sent a message to the clubs and said, hey, um, 
we're going to tighten it up this year because right now it seems like the players did not get the message. I yeah, I mean it's it's been interesting watching like the games that I've really honed in on um, haven't featured haven't featured red cards uh, in in the ones I've been watching the most closely, um, and there have still been quite a few yellows, um, and I think that that has been a theme. Um, I would say that Detroit Charleston was probably the lightest. I don't think Detroit actually picked up a yellow card um, in, in their match. It was Charleston had three um, and, and Detroit had none. But uh, as far as, you know, like locomotive United, like that was, you know, it's a rivalry. So you'd expect like, you know, five yellows and four yellows for each side. Like that's, that's pretty standard. Um, But the, yeah, I would say maybe, maybe two like players are, maybe early in the season, they're still, maybe they're testing the refs a little bit in some of these cases where it's like, I'm on a yellow and maybe it's a chance that they take that they wouldn't have taken in the past, but they're, they're like, yeah, I could probably get away with this. And then they don't. Um, so I think the refs have just laid out a marker of like, Hey, this is what we're considering a yellow. And and so far the players have butted up against it a lot. Um, and, and I think, uh, I think we will see both, the referees and the and the players kind of level out into some like more normal equilibrium here soon. I don't think we'll see, you know, quite as many reds as the season progresses. Yeah, it really feels like a sort of early season phenomenon where everyone's kind of feeling out what the standards are because they do change year for year from what you see with the referees. Um, I don't think you can debate the fact that a lot of matches have changed because of it. And, I'm thinking about Pittsburgh specifically, who's played maybe like 50 minutes total against 11 men this year. It changes what you're seeing out of teams, but I do really think it's going to equalize. So something to be concerned about for now, but if it carries on, I'll really be concerned, but I don't know. You know, this is something interesting. And, you know, I've, I've many times already said that this feels like the same league the same tackles it's gonna be really interesting to see if styles change um for example like harry has pointed out it seems like for an all-time low uh san antonio is only averaging three yellow cards a match um teams who love to go in on challenges and just frustrate the crap out of you years past i mean memphis they were really good at it and it did not matter if it was a rivalry match or not it was it doesn't matter who's against, they were going to foul you. They were going to waste a little bit of time the moment they got their first goal ahead. And especially those fouls, they would go in with some professional fouls that would, they would get away with because they were really good at it. And this year it looks like they're calling them. So it's going to be really interesting to see if, if the players tactics and coaches tactics maybe start changing and we'll maybe see, who the really good coaches are, if they can change that approach. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah, the other concern is like yellow card accumulation and what that means for both teams, but also players who might get fined. Whereas if you feel like some of these yellow cards are maybe a little bit soft, um, you're going to rack some up. I, I think we're a couple guys are on already. So, uh, if they keep up, I'm not great at statistics, but I think one a game means by the fifth game, like the sixth one, they're done. 
So mm. like that's for some teams that's like two weeks from now, um, <laughs> which is wild, um, which also comes with fines, right? And so I, I think that's something to consider as well is is our teams are players going to adjust knowing that it's going to hurt them financially or is this a conversation that you know is had with pros like hey we need to be careful about you know x these types of fouls because some of those tough fouls like i've seen guys like kick legs out it's like yeah that's clearly yellow uh some of the tactical fouls i think ha- there's some debate around whether it's an actual yellow card a breakup of a uh, you know a play or if it's just a guy gets beat in the defensive third and and pulls a guy down maybe not card that guy but if it's, you know, clearly breaking up a, a counterattack. So, I, I yeah, five yellow cards, fine. I, I Is a fine. Like, I guys are going to start having to, to decide between, um, yeah, thanks, Ryan. Eighth caution is one game suspension and a fine. So five cards, they're, they're getting hit in the pocketbook. Um, so, so maybe four weeks in, we'll get our first suspension. Um, and then the stri- some of the straight reds mean you know a longer suspension, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So guys are going to be missing, and you're going to have to coaches are going to have to think about rotation. You're going to have to think about if a guy gets out, who are we putting in, and then the pocketbook thing is is another one as well. Well, it's eight. It's eight before a suspension. I'm looking at that's, the uh, league that's rule book crazy. now for player caution accumulation. That's wild. Like. The the best part was I it was eight during the shortened season, and I think Loyal had fourteen matches left. It's like you could basically get a yellow in every match and and be fine. Like you can like take one off here and one off here, but it was still eight. They didn't change the rule for the cut in half season, so you had fourteen games to get eight yellow cards. That's crazy. Okay, I, I do. I want to give a little opinion real quick on what John just said. And this is my be my biggest frustration that came from the Legion versus Tulsa match. Sean Lewis was giving, was given a yellow card for time wasting either at the end of the first or at the beginning of the second. Later on in the match, he wasted over 30 seconds and was not given a second yellow. If you're going to give a yellow for wasting i think i counted it was only 12 seconds and not card for the 30 then what was that yellow card for because i mean keepers don't rack up five yellows unless they're just ridiculous what what is the point because they're not going to reach the fine the only way for that to matter at all is for it to become a red later that's just that's just me though. The yellow for the yellow for time wasting is for show. Like I um I'm not trying to like say anything about like the integrity of referees or anything like that. It's simply to like get the game restarted in that moment. They're not giving a second yellow for time wasting. Like they should be adding on more time in the game. Like that should be happening, but the I I've the only like delay of game that I've ever seen someone sent off for is when they block the you know taking of a free kick or something like that. Uh, keepers aren't getting a second yellow for for time wasting. It's just not going to happen. Because refs know that just is going to impact the game so much more if you're taking out the starting keeper and forcing the team to play with a man down. Now, yeah. they should just be adding the time on. Like, I, and they should like the thing that the thing that's caught me is like. 
and again, this is going to sound homery or whatever, but it, for anyone who watched El Paso, New Mexico, the ball it was in play maybe 20 minutes in the second half. Like, lots of fouls. It was broken up constantly. Four added minutes and no added time at the end of the first half. That is just totally absurd. So, like, they need to at least get, like, an approximation of... And I'm not saying it should have been, you know, 15 added on or anything like that, but get, like... You know, it should have been six or seven, probably like on on balance, and it and it was four, and so that's where they probably need to just like if it you know if the punishment is that, then just like make sure you're adding the time on. That's my only beef. Yeah, and for reference, there uh, last season there were only or there was only one goalkeeper in the whole league who had more than three yellow cards. So who was it? Uh, Matt Cardone, because San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, that that <laughs> tracks. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a lot of, and I kind of want to jump to this New Mexico match um, fairly soon. Do we have to? Um, yeah, unfortunately. I've already put myself through the pain of Legion. Um, I had to listen to John talk about it last night, and that sucked. Um, so, yes, yes, we do. Um <laughs> Um, is were we wrong about Evan Newton? So, I, I mean, I think the I think the question marks are there, rightfully so. I think I think one of the things that John Hutchinson pointed out in his post match comments was one, like I'm asking him to play this way, so if he makes a mistake, like it's it's on me ultimately. So he took responsibility, which was valiant of him, but. The other thing he brought up was the fact that Evan Newton hasn't played competitively in like two and a half years. Um, and I think it's showing because it's not so much. It's not so much that I don't think he's capable of playing that way. Like I think he is. And I think for most of the game, you know, you see him, he'll come out of the box. He'll, he'll be confident and and he'll deal with some of these like sweeper type moments. I think where we see, and I think the the Nico Brett goal is like the perfect snapshot of this because the second the second is he makes a very bad pass and like that happens to players where they make a bad decision. The Nico Brett goal was more indicative of like, is he really confident? Because a confident goalkeeper, like well, uh, like a keeper playing in that style, has to be confident and has to back their decision every time. And on the Brett goal, he is off his line, but he doesn't charge down. He doesn't charge down and he doesn't retreat. He just is stuck in no man's land and just stands there. And it leaves the goal. I mean, Nico Brett, like the chip is the easy option because it's like I have the entire goal to aim at and he's nowhere near his line. Whereas if he retreats, he's got it. He does have a defender like competing with him for the ball or if he charges him down and forces him to try to go around him or something like he at least makes him make a decision in this case it's like hey do whatever you want because i'm kind of like out in in no man's land and to me that's just like a confidence thing of he has to make one decision or the other and he makes neither which i think with basically it's up to him like either in a short amount of time he's able to like recognize those moments and and make a stronger decision or like he's not that guy for the for the system but um but i think 
the volume of shots that and to answer Harry's question a little bit, like the volume of shots that locomotive are allowing is not high enough for me to see to me to think that the defensive system doesn't work like and all of the goals like and I don't want to say all of the goals, but I mean, the penalty like is a goalkeeping error that they concede against Sac Republic the Nico Brett goal is a goalkeeping error. Like is, you know, I think there's, there are errors in the defense, like up until that point, but it's also a soft goal to concede. And then the third is from a bad pass out from the back from Newton. So, I mean, yeah, the defensive system to me is, is fine in terms of like the shot volume that we're actually allowing. Um, if we were just getting peppered and Newton was standing on his head every game and then making one mistake, that's one thing. But I mean, he's made, I think two saves, um, so that in two games that so that's the that's the story and i'll just uh i'll just end my comments and then i'll shut up forever um with uh i'll i i'm still here trying to do whatever math on the back of a napkin of trying to decode how new mexico united won that game with completing 99 passes um in 90 minutes just yeah anyways i'm done yeah, two, quick things that, yeah, two quick things on that. Um, I think in terms of Newton kind of playing the something like a sweeper keeper role uh, with his time in Indianapolis, he was basically in the bottom 10% for goalies in terms of like the clearances and defensive actions. So this really isn't a kind of style he's accustomed to playing. That said, I think he has the talent and he has the capability and he really hit the nail on the head that it's been a while since he's seen game action. He's getting used to new teammates and a new system. I'm still confident he'll round into form. But in terms of that, um, New Mexico not completing many passes, I thought they were really effective in the press. Um, the way they sort of adjusted the system where Chris Wien would drop a little deeper, they pressed with the front two but they'd really bomb the fullbacks up the pitch was effective in that first half, especially that's what made the difference for me much more than the long passing, which still was a thing as well. This is a strong New Mexico side at the end of the day. So I don't want to take anything away from them. And I thought they came with a solid game plan in this one. And looking at American soccer analysis, they do have Evan Newton for his goals minus XG. It's the second worst in the league right now, only behind or only behind him is uh, Matt Van Oakle from Birmingham. But I'm sure, Phil, it's been frustrating these past two games, looking at the XG and seeing them kind of, seeing El Paso outperform both of their opponents and still not able to walk away with three points. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's frustrating, but it's also, it's been heartening in a way, only because I think the, the, the game plan and the, the style and all those things, like it, it shows it shows the XG at least shows to me that it that it works and it can work in terms of getting results. Um, I mean, Cristiano Francois has like an inexplicable miss um, in the first half. And at one nil, Diego Luna is a is a, th a thick coat of paint on the post away from adding a second. So, um, yeah, very different game. And I think I think we talked about, you know, sort of last time out El Paso they'll have the opportunities. And I think they've shown that like the way that they set up is going to create those things for them. It's just about converting them. And I think with time, you know, I don't think you're going to keep a player like Francois from missing tap-ins like that often. Um, so yeah, I think, I think in the, at the end of the day, like that match at 
you know, if it's two or three nil is a very different prospect for United. Um, given that, like, what made them so effective to me in the second half was like the change in the game state and it being one one and them being, you know, I mean, as as we would be in Albuquerque, like content with a point. Um, it really let them focus defensively and fr- focus on frustrating Francois and Sanupe from finding space out wide, which led to that second half being like completely disjointed from, from locomotives. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, credit to United because they, they did execute a good game plan, but um, <laughs> Harry, I hate you, <laughs> but the, and, and, uh, and yeah, so I think um, anyways, that's yeah. Listen to seriously loco. If you want my full thoughts on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag ad. Um, before we get, I mean, before we get, oh, whoa, my pop filter just fell off. That was sick. Um, say, um, <laughs> before we get too far, I guess, um, I want to just kind of go around and give our big, um, what's the, what is the uh, word for it? Our biggest, I told you so's and the biggest shockers. Uh, we're just, I just want to do them all at once. Um, let's start off with John. Big, I told you so in the biggest shockers of the weekend. Well, I think in terms of the first one, I'm being goaded into loud and praise, and I am so happy to provide it. Granted, that was a red card game where they kind of were getting their asses handed to them before the red card, but they came on so strong afterwards. They earned that nice three nothing uh, victory over New York. So that's definitely my told you so of the weekend. If I'm thinking about one where I'm being proven wrong, I think it's Las Vegas getting that two to one win over Phoenix, where I basically spent a lifetime just crapping all over Las Vegas and what they've been doing. And on the other hand, praising Phoenix and thinking that they were kind of going to coast this season without losing much of a beat given some of their losses. And that's just not been the case for them so far. So those would be my picks there. Ryan? I'd say one thing that I'd have a little bit of pause or concern about would be Charleston. Uh, Phil, you're at the game. You could obviously speak a little bit more to them, but uh, it just, it seems like there's been just some difficulty or that they didn't go as forward. If you're looking at some of their passing accuracy through their first two games this year, they're not only bottom of the league, they have a 49% passing accuracy, which is rather poor and it looks like it just wasn't on the same level when they played Detroit it's still very early in the season but uh, I think there is at least pause for concern for Charleston at the moment and then I guess for a result that uh, is probably still pretty earned it's just Colorado Springs still keeps finding a way to just play defensively solid and get results where they need to as they pick up a win over Monterey Bay this weekend Alan yeah, I thought um, I thought the Loudon was the surprise to me. I, I'm going to go opposite from John. I, I think that three nil, uh, the way that that game kind of turned on its head, um, you have to give Loudon a lot of credit for taking advantage. Right, we've seen teams go up a man and struggle, um, and Loudon did not let that uh, break their spirits um, and. They played really well. It was a fun game to watch from their perspective. Like I was legitimately finding myself enjoying watching Loudon play. Uh, I'm not sure how how long they're going to be able to maintain this success, but it's a fun 
a fun ride while it lasts, right? It's kind of this West Coast. I don't really need to pay attention to the East Coast until we get close to playoff time or there's an interleague matchup. Um, I, it was just a really fun game to watch. Um, the I told you so. I had a terrible week, so I'm not even sure I have and I told you so because I think um, I'm going to – I mean, I'm going to – just say that I thought Sacramento deserves something out of the San Diego match. I thought there's, there's something there in Sacramento. Um, they were, they had some dangerous looks, uh, but I'm happy that they didn't win. Um, it feels, it feels weird to start a season out two and O as opposed to zero and four. So this is like a new feeling for me. I'm not sure how to take it. Um, obviously the, the Vegas Phoenix match is a shocker. Um, I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to, um, but that was very, very surprising. And then Orange County RGV was exactly what I think everyone thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll leave it there. Um, but yeah, I don't really have an I told you so because I was wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> Phil. Um, yeah, well, uh, Ryan, I mean, you teed, it, you teed it up nicely, I guess, with, with, with the I told you so, I guess, I you know, and I put this pretty I'm using this pretty generously for myself but uh Detroit City getting their first win in front of their home fans you know in the home opener that was it was cool to witness for sure um a, a cool day for for DCFC um I think as far as Charleston's concerned one of the things that really struck me is that they they really do, you know, that 49% like really speaks to the fact that they are really playing like this super counterattacking, like long ball style. And they were really looking for like, I mean, it was basically just Aiden Apodaca, like as the out ball, like hoping that he can chase it down and get in behind and, and cross it as they did for their first goal in the, in their opener. Um, so yeah, I think the lack of, there's a lot of like skilled players on Charleston, like in Charleston's lineup. And there's a lot of pieces where I'm thinking like, okay, they're almost less than the sum of their parts, which is, which is like a little frustrating, I would say for Charleston fans. Um, but even then at the end of the first half, they are so skilled that Detroit city was by far the better team in terms of like their game plan was working. Their wingbacks were like absolutely feasting. Everybody was, everybody was like, they were just eating up ground, but Charleston at the at the end of the first half had the better chances, despite Detroit being the better team. So I think Charleston will still have those moments where they are not the better. You know, they're not that great of a team right now, but they are a lot. Of, there's a lot of really good players, um, so they'll still have chances. And they cracked the post, and I think they they actually missed a couple of sitters for me. Like I thought that they were. They probably should have been up at halftime, but Detroit City, I think seeing seeing them live, it confirmed a lot of the things that we saw against San Antonio, which is that it's it's an extremely well coached, well drilled team. Um, and and in the end, like uh, Antoine Opino, you know, showing like providing that little bit of difference in there. But the um, the I think they'll still they still just look a little hesitant in front of goal. And that's where I think they'll probably struggle this season um, is, is just, they probably won't score as many goals as they deserve to score based on, based on what they're, 
um on how they're playing but yeah the i told you so i guess is is detroit city getting the win and then as far as things that that surprised me i mean i i i don't know about anyone else but i was surprised at the i know we have san antonio (laughs) folks around but los dos like kind of i mean they probably deserved more like out of that game to be quite honest they generated a lot of shots which really surprised me um and so, yeah, San Antonio, I think, will be feeling like pretty good about the fact that they got the three points there. And but it did raise some questions for me just about like, you know, is San Antonio like at the level that we are assigning? Because that was just a lot. I mean, they allowed 22 shots, like which, you know, questionable quality throughout. But the the reality is just that volume was really high. So anyways, um that and then and Miami um I I had them I had them going to Louisville and getting something and Louisville made like pretty short work of them like they they found it pretty routine I think um to get that win so um yeah I think this Lou City side may be a little bit stronger than I was giving them credit for and maybe and maybe Miami not not the team that we thought they might be yeah I mean there's a lot there and we're gonna hop into that in a minute but uh, as for the Los Dos, I, if you go on FOTMOB, I love FOTMOB for quick, easy stats, but I really hate their um, their system to give grades because I feel like they're not accurate all the time because I don't I know there's an algorithm there. I get that, but I still don't know exactly how it works. Preston Judd did not have a 6.3 kind of game. Look, I get that he didn't get he didn't get all the goal or he didn't get a goal and he didn't get the assist, but man, like he was the engine that got that that gets that team running. I've been banging the Preston Judd um, drum for a while now. I kind of like uh, Ada McFadden. Why he isn't in the MLS somewhere? I don't know. It makes zero sense to me. But my uh, biggest, I told you so. Um, Alan, someone brought it up in the chat. They were right, and I was going to give you credit for it, but they brought it up first. You did strong arm me into picking New Mexico, so you did do one thing right. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Um, but my biggest, I told you so, I picked Loyal. I, I'm a big believer in what the Loyal are doing, are doing this year. I really am. At first, I didn't really believe in all the signings. I thought they were good pieces, but I didn't know how they were going to work together. But I really, really like seeing what they're doing. Um, my biggest shock, um, would it be too much of a homer of me to say the way or say the fact that Legion lost? I mean, I'll be honest, the entire time I was just jaw on the floor. I It was – that one was hard. But if, if we're going to go away from being a homer, um, I guess I was a little – bit shocked by the lights obviously i it wasn't even just a it wasn't even just the fact that they beat them the thing that's going a little bit underrated i was very impressed by their back line i was really impressed by the lights back line and if they can keep doing that i'm not saying they're going to be good but they won't be wooden spoon winners. And I think that's all that matters for the Lions right now. 
Yeah, Kaylor, I've noticed this about Fought Mobs rating. I think a lot of these websites' ratings is if you have a striker that doesn't score or doesn't get an assist, it's like they had a crap game. When you might have the target guy who can play play guys off of him, you might have a guy who's pulling defenders out of position, and that's never going to show up on a stat sheet, and it's going to be like 6.2. And it's like, yeah, but if that guy wasn't there, the guy who got the 8.4 rating wouldn't have gotten an 8.4 rating he would have been stopped by the defense. So I think it's just kind of a, a flaw in the system, the algorithm of if a striker doesn't get a goal, they had a bad game. And I think that's like, if you're doing like armchair analyst commentator, that's like an easy one, right? If you have a striker that doesn't score, then what, you know, they're unsuccessful. Uh, so I've seen that from time to time with, with strikers that don't have quality games, like, as far as stats are concerned, but they might be the reason that, you know, their team does well. Like uh, my favorite off the ball run was Lukaku in the world cup against Japan where he never touches the ball, but he's constantly pulling defenders left and right to allow everyone else to pass the ball and get a clean shot on goal. Never touches the ball, but has a huge impact on that run. And that's not going to show up on anyone's stat sheet. And he's not going to get a higher rating for it unless someone's like looking at the game and manually rating it. But he's doing all of this like crazy uh, tactical gravity, if you will, of pulling defenders left and right out of position. So I, I don't disagree with that take. And I think it's something that as fans we need to consider when looking at these, you know, fought mobs and sofa scores and stuff is, you know, when, when taking a look at a team, you got to watch the game to see how that player really reacts or read usl tactics because uh <laughs> you know he, he puts in the puts in the work yeah i mean i mean this is and i'll let john speak i mean to speak on this if you were to look at fob mob you would think that enzo martinez is the worst player on the legion <laughs> and i think anybody who's watched the last two matches would tell you he's the reason why we have scored any goals he might be the solo reason why we have put the ball into the net, and you would think that he is the worst player for the Legion, and we should never sign him. Yeah, I mean it's it's always something to consider with that. But hey, we do have we do have one of those uh, statistic nerds that actually watches the game. Um, hashtag ad. <laughs> yeah, for being honest, I don't even pay a lick of attention to the fat mob sort of thing. Like, they do fine work, and I love the fact that there's someone out there trying to quantify that sort of thing at the same time they it's what everyone is saying where the algorithm is so simplistic and it can't over a one game sample kind of suss out and separate those less visible aspects of a player's game so while what they're doing is admirable like it can't replicate over that one game sample what you get from the eye test, which is why I've spent probably 20 hours watching the games from the weekend. So there was a lot to go over, a lot to go over. And I want to jump back into this conversation, partially because I, I was just remembering, and I've posted about this in our Discord chat, but my uh, USL pro refs giving out red cards like candy um mark lowry liked that tweet which i thought was hilarious because we love a good salty coach slash gm at this show um i 
maybe this is another I told you so, and maybe it's just stupid early to say. But Mark Lowry is an amazing coach, but this indie squad is just not good enough. And I know we want to believe in Mark Lowry, but a coach can only do so much. I mean, again, you, you see like what I'm wearing, but I mean, come on. I When I was a kid, at the highlight of my career or of my whole life for Alabama football was watching Nick Saban win the Liberty Bowl against Colorado. Sometimes when you have a crap team, there's only so much a great coach can do. And I think this year just needs to be a wash for Indy fans. And we- Indy 11 is one of two teams in the league right now that has yet to score a goal alongside Atlanta United too. And they're also both uh, two lowest uh, shot totals in the league right now. Both have taken nine shots. Hartford has played one game this year and has more shots than Indy 11. Do, I mean, it's really interesting because when I think back to when I think we've been looking back on the early locomotive days, one for some sanity around like, you know, two games into the locomotive season um but the those early locomotive days like there were a lot of concerns about offense um under under Mark Lowry and it wasn't really until they brought in Jerome Kiesevetter and Sebastian Velasquez that that attack turned around because there weren't really a lot of difference makers um I don't know that Indy's quite at that level because I mean it was really just like threadbare but um yeah I think I mean I think he's just he's got to find answers like pretty quickly. And I I don't say that from a, from a perspective of, Oh, they're like out of the playoffs or something like that after two games. But I think the faith in the project is fading like really quickly. Um, And I think he, he does need some momentum just to win the fans back. Um, Cause there's a lot of like, keep the faith type stuff going on, which you wouldn't expect from an established USL manager like him. And their schedule doesn't get uh, too much easier over their next couple of games. They have Louisville this weekend and uh, Los Dos, RGV that they have to travel to, which is always a tough out. They may get some reprieve by hosting Atlanta United 2 in just kind of a quote-unquote relegation battle. And then they have to host Orange County. I Okay, I do want to have one comment on that Robert put in. While... The West is very deep this year. I think the East is very close to being just as deep. In my personal rankings, I have basically the East being six deep of teams that could win the USL Cup and the West being about eight, um, at least when it comes to squad talent and just squads that I trust. The East is still really freaking good, but... Indy's not sneaking in there. And I this hurts me in every fiber of my being. But they're just not as good as area code. Based off what I've seen, they're not as good as Detroit City. I have Detroit City and 901 easily above them. And that's not including Tulsa, which I massively underrated. I, I It's tough for me to see Indy even sneaking in whatsoever. What do we think of what do we think of these acquisitions that were announced, which was sort of like it, it felt a little reactionary almost potentially from Indy uh, as they signed Rodney Michael and Alan Torres, um, a couple of like League One 
you know, talents. And actually, it's a loan for uh, for Torres from, from Torres Forward Medicine. Out on, he's going out on loan to Forward Medicine. Oh, yeah. they loaned him out. My bad, my bad, yeah. my bad. No, but they How? brought in... They brought in yeah, this random striker from Tormenta, yeah, maybe. Tormenta, yeah. yeah. How much Sorry. money has Tormenta made on transfer fees this year? Because I feel like they are raking in it right now. I feel like because unlike Omaha, who Omaha everybody had, or basically everybody just raided and poached their squad. Tormenta has sold, and I feel like they didn't lose anybody on a free except for. Did they lose the one guy who went to the crew for free? I feel like they've sold everybody, which is ridiculous if that were – I mean, they've sold most people anyway. But, yeah, Indy definitely seems to be making some panic buys. Um, And I said this last week, and, I, again, I, I love the guy. But Mark Lowry, I get that he doesn't like full – or doesn't really like the playing out wide, but they had pieces like – to me, if I were a coach, I would build the new indie around a guy like Nick Moon. <laughs> I mean, he's young, he's exciting, he gets he's in all the right places at all the right times. Why they let a guy like that go in replacement with guys who are largely unproven, I don't understand it. Yeah, so pretty shortly before uh, we went live, I published an article about kind of what's gone wrong for Indy in terms of executing on that Lowry style. And I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the fullback problem in Moon, where in those El Paso teams, if you think about what Macaulay King at a Borelli were doing from those fullback spots where they would push up high, they would force opponents to widen out. And that opens up so much for what the diamond can do in the middle. Well, if you're indie right now, you've put Jerry Timmer right back, who he's fine, but he's also much more comfortable as a central defender. He doesn't have the gravity to force opponents to react in that sort of way. Additionally, you've got Neville Hackshaw as the defensive midfielder, who, for all of the wonderful aspects of his game, doesn't have the skill, the noose on the ball that you would get from a Richie Ryan. As a result, Nicky Law... Robola Golera have to come super deep where they can't be creative. So Indy, in terms of the deployment of their players, has really just shot themselves in the foot. How much of that can you put on Mark Lowry? I don't know if it's a ton because it's so dependent on what you're getting from ownership from the higher-ups in the organization in terms of rebuilding the squad. I think it's going to be largely a transitional year. And yeah, this team has been missing Aoze. They've not seen uh, uh, Manuel Adiaga in that last game. There just needs to be a little bit more time, but I'm not sold that this team is really going to be a factor from, from uh, much of the season. This is my FC Cincinnati bias showing very clearly, but why not bring back Ledesma? I mean, he gave them a little jolts of life last year. He has experience in the league did i mean has he been signed anywhere else because if he's just floating around the guy wants to play in the u.s it seems um one mvp i think was it four years ago i think um i don't know i mean it's just guys like that who can play the midfield or play 
in those yeah those midfield areas and are at least creative. Indy has just not been creative this year, and that that's it's just been really really tough to watch. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question, and this is just kind of a broad question, and I, maybe I'm gonna toss this over to Alan since you've kind of yeah yeah you um since and. It's, you've kind of followed two teams. You support one, but kind of followed two with, uh, you know, with Orange County and with San Diego. If you're going to hire a coach, are you hiring a system or are you hiring a leader? Because I feel like Indy's kind of stuck between two ideas right now. Can, can I answer that with yes? I, I think depending on, I think it's kind of depending on your, your approach to the team, right? Like, if your team has an identity already and you're trying to find somebody to fit that identity and be a leader in that identity, then maybe you, you, you err for the, or you, you side for the, the leadership role versus the building a a culture, right? Like if you're loose city, you kind of have an identity already. You're going to go find that leader to lead that identity, right? You're not trying to bring in a guy to switch everything up. But I think if you're maybe an Indy 11, you hire a guy who has his own system because you want a reboot, like a hard reboot. Hey, we're going to try and start this thing over again. And maybe Indy 11's idea is we're going to bring him in. He's going to get into the system year one, and then he's going to make us El Paso East in year two. Maybe there is a two-year plan here. Uh, so I guess it kind of depends, right? You saw to, to bring in Premier League, I guess, you know, Man U is, there's not really an identity there, so you want to find an identity, right? Uh, um, if you have a team with strong leaders already, you might just find a guy to point them in the right direction. So I think it, it's just kind of a, a, a team by team, what's going to fit what you need. And I think right now, Indy is looking maybe for a hard reset. And uh, at USL level, is there a, a guy that you trust uh, more than a Lowry, I I'm not sure I'm not sure there is right now. Probably um, to Louisville, uh, good lord. Uh, I oof. I mean, yeah. I do. I want to see that kind of, but only for you the chaos, ask, right? It's the East. It's chaos. <laughs> <Right? laughs> <laughs> but like, what could Bob Lilly do with guys like who are at Lou City, right? We see what Bob Lilly does with guys who no one knows, and then they go off to other teams, and they aren't as good. Cause they're not under Bob Lilly. Um, and he, so I think Lowry is a guy you want to bring in because you believe in the system he created in El Paso and you want to see him recreate that in Indy and you kind of give him those reins and maybe it's not working right now, but you know, it, is it really fair to judge a guy two games into the season? I mean, let's see where it is after let's see one third of the way into the season. Let's see half the way in the season, right? Because all you have to do is make the playoffs like you don't have to be great at the beginning of the year to make the playoffs. You can sneak in in a seven spot and get hot and go on a run. So I, I say don't write them off yet. I think you give them two years. Like it's the USL. You're not getting relegated, right? You're not, you're nothing's going to hurt you if you don't have a good year one. I say you give them two years. You go on a, a ride this year, see how it ends at the end of the season, see if you can build some momentum into the offseason and see who he brings in. Um, oh Jesus, Eric Winalda of the East. That's terrible. Uh, but I, I, I just think, th- I think he's built up enough faith and trust that he, he's smart enough to be able to do it in, in a city that maybe doesn't have the biggest budget in El Paso. So you, you, you would 
put money on him figuring it out in Indy. So I want to go ahead, move on to some predictions, which not to brag or anything, but some people are saying I am the best predictor of all time. Mainly me. I'm the only one saying that, but people are saying it. Um, and let's go ahead and go through um, what we have picked as basically the 10 uh, matches to watch, the ones that we're going to be predicting. Uh, some rivalries this week. Very, very spicy. I know we had one last week, but it's going to get very, very good this week. So let's go ahead and start off in Tulsa. And we are going to be going Tulsa versus Loyal. Uh, let's start with John. I am on mute. Um, <laughs> this was a tough one for me, but I, I'm leaning towards San Diego here. Ron? I would back San Diego to win this one as well. I think they are they have good momentum coming out of their first two games. And I think given that you have Phoenix uh, on the weekend, they may try and get the three points of the week out of this game. Alan, I was saying a Harry. I was the somebody. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm not sure who Tulsa is right now, so this one was really hard for me. I think traveling east is rough, but I, I do think Ryan's right. I think traveling east will be fine. Traveling back to Phoenix is where uh, San Diego might run into some issues with, with Phoenix kind of lying in wait, and we'll get to that pick later. Uh, but I, I think San Diego uh, can do enough to go on the road and get a win in this one. Phil. Yeah, I, I went with San Diego mainly because I, I don't think, I think Tulsa was a little lucky. They rode their luck and I think loyal have rode their luck to an extent. Um, but I think they, they stay lucky and, and Tulsa's luck runs out in this one. <laughs> Screw you, Andy. <laughs> um, I, I picked a draw here. There's something about One Oak Field that it I don't know what it is. It's weirdly electric. Um I I don't know. There's something about that baseball field, man, that just it, it really gets Tulsa the results. Um yeah, I went with a draw. Uh next up is if I can just pull it up, Detroit City versus Pittsburgh. Yeah, leaning Pittsburgh here. They've looked really sharp, and I know I mentioned they've hardly played against 11 men this year, but I just think that they play a similar system to Detroit, and they're better at it, so that gives them the edge. Ron? If we're looking back at some of the XG with the American soccer analysis, Pittsburgh has the best goal difference minus their expected goal difference in the league right now, so they're doing really well with creating chances. I think Pittsburgh get the win here, but I would not be shocked to see both teams score goals in this one sir allen yeah i'm going with pittsburgh here as well again like when in doubt go with bob lily um i i agree with john i thought the first match pittsburgh looked a little bit rusty but i thought they looked a lot better the second match so um until detroit can convince me uh i'm going with uh pittsburgh yeah so yeah, same. I went. I went with Pittsburgh, and this is actually my lock this week, only because I think Detroit, Detroit City has uh, benefited in their couple of games from playing teams that aren't going to be as well organized as as Pitt. 
Um, and I, so I think, I think when they come up against a, a really organized system, it's going to be tougher for them to, to play the patterns that they like to play. I went with uh, Pittsburgh as well, largely because I think that this team is just too disciplined to be thrown off by playing in Detroit. Like they're like the battery. I, I didn't really think that they were going to be up. I thought it was going to be a different environment for them to handle. Um, I think under a ball blue team, especially some of the guys that they have on their team, that's been everywhere. That's seen everything. Yeah. They're not going to be bothered by what's going on at a Millwall light. Um, let's see what else is next. We got New Mexico versus orange County. Well, after some friendliness last night, I'm back on the Orange County slander, and I've got New Mexico winning this one. <laughs> Ryan. I have New Mexico winning this one as well. Alan? Yeah, same. I think uh, Orange County likes to defend first, uh, attack second, and I think New Mexico just has a little bit uh, too much that they're going to be able to break them down. Uh, and when Orange County uh, goes down a goal, they're not quite as good, I don't think. Uh, I think, you know, they scrambled to win um, last week. So I, I think they go on the road and don't quite pull it off. Uh, New Mexico wins. Phil? I, I almost picked this as a draw because um, I do think that this isn't New Mexico's, like, favored uh, opponent in terms of, like, being able to play the way that they'd like to. Um, but... Uh, I, I let emotions rule the day and I picked Orange County. I went with uh, New Mexico. I I really like what they're doing. I I nothing else really to say. I mean, Orange County is fine. They're going to sit back and attack. Or not sit back and attack. They don't do that. They're going to sit back and defend. But I think that New Mexico has the right pieces to pick holes in the space that Orange County may allow. So that's why I'm going with New Mexico. Next up is the trademark Miami um, versus Loudon. John's Loudon. <laughs> yeah, and despite the fact that I do love Loudon, I think that it's kind of a tough ask <clears throat> to go into Miami and get that result. So I'm going with a draw here. Ryan? I picked a draw here as well. Loudon has an 85% passing accuracy and the most passes attempted within the Eastern Conference right now, but it's still it's a tough ask. And I think this is going to start a really t- difficult string of games for Loudon. Here they played two teams that probably were worse than them to start their season. But uh, yeah, I'd I back a draw. Alan? I picked uh, the Miami. Uh, only because I saw people not picking them outside of Killer, and I was like, I'm going to try and pick up some points here. Uh, either that or I'm terrible at this, and I'm picking Miami. Phil? I uh, I went with a draw as well, and it's it, it's more so about the fact that like we've seen some good stuff from Loudon. We haven't seen, I don't think, the best out of Miami yet, so um, I, think it, I think it comes out of the wash and it ends in a draw. I went with the Miami. I think that uh, Kyle Murphy goes stupid this match. There's just something about the way whenever, and John talked about it earlier, before the red card, 
I was just kind of watching it, and I was like, Kyle Murphy would eat this like kind of back line alive, to be honest, um, at least at the very beginning. Um, I do want to just bring this up, and I'm just, this is a passing comment. Does the Miami have the biggest squad in the USL? They have so many players. I know that they are rich, but how do they afford that? Um, Christ, if you haven't looked at their squad, they uh, it's stupid. They are just hoarding talent for no reason. Um, next up is I I don't remember the entire act. John, what is the acronym? Uh, the Lou City. Oh, uh, the Louisville. You mean the Louisville Indianapolis Pro, uh, Proximity Association Football Contest? Yeah, that one. <laughs> I can never remember the letters in the right order. Or what yeah, I, it's, I, all it's I can not remember. long or unwieldy at all, so I don't understand how you're not remembering. But um, <laughs> I, embarrass- <laughs> I embarrassingly, as an indie guy, have to go with Louisville here. And I want to say I have this as my lock. I'm fairly certain uh, that, yeah, it is. This is just not going to be a good game. Ryan? I put Louisville as my lock for this one as well. I think uh, it would not shock me if this would go to above three goals for Louisville. Alan? Yeah, this is my lock. Um, I'm saying Louisville as well. Um, I, I I just want to see this like a 1-0, like just like maybe stoppage time winner for Lou City. Like just play with them a whole bunch. Um just to, like toy with them a little bit. This and is then... so cruel. <laughs> I was gonna say that this is about to end up on the locker room in Indy, right? That's what I'm trying, I'm trying to jumpstart Indy here for you, Phil. I'm trying. This is my pressuring Kaler into picking New Mexico because I want I want Indianapolis in, in, to like feel good about themselves. And uh, no, I, and then with Miami hoarding talent, I also heard they have 32 cats. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I also pick, I also pick Louisville, but I, I think they're just, yeah, I think they're too strong. I'm hoping, just for, just for Indy's sake, like I, I'm hoping that they show something else in this, um, because it's, it, it's just been rough. So, not the team that you want to try to turn it around against, though. So, the more and more people that pick Lou including myself, the more and more I think Indy is going to win. Um, yeah, it, it's it's loose City until it's not. <laughs> Next up after them is – oh, actually, I skipped one, mainly just out of my own embarrassment. Uh, Colorado versus Birmingham. Uh, yeah, this was yeah a tough one for me thinking about it just because there are two pretty good sides here, but I'm going with Colorado Springs. I think they're in good form. I think Birmingham still has some things to figure out offensively that are going to struggle against this press. I backed uh, Colorado Springs to win this one as well. Uh, they've been playing just really great defense recently, although I will say the one concern is just the fact that they are traveling eastwards for this game and it has been proven with the good Tampa Bay team that came into Birmingham that it's not a it's not an easy place to get a result I still think uh, the switchbacks continue their good form and pick up a win here I learned my lesson of trying to pick teams to make Kaler happy so I am going with Colorado Springs 
<laughs> I I picked this one as a draw because I I think I think the travel plus um, Colorado Springs not they're not quite in that like goal scoring flow yet that I think we expected. They have you know they they've scored a couple in the opener, but they you know against a Monterey Bay team that got you know schwacked down in Phoenix, they didn't quite um, they didn't quite show the same sort of level so um so yeah i think this this is a draw um i have switchbacks winning uh for everything that is one of our center backs just went down another one just got suspended and one of our midfielders just retired today um (laughs) so usl everybody right now (laughs) we're not vibing uh, it's switchbacks. I I wouldn't be shocked if Legion draw or even win, but everything in logic says that losing two center backs and having a midfielder who gets significant time retiring um, does not bode well for your chances of getting a result. Um, I I say that in jest. I really do hope Eli has a great time in real estate. He's actually really good at it. So. I hope all is best for for his uh, retirement. Um, what a sentence that is, by the way. <laughs> I know. He just flipped a house for a quarter of a million dollars in Birmingham just in his free time when he wasn't at training. What a what a, what a freak. What, he's so good. I'm pretty sure the oldest brother does real estate in Phoenix after retiring as an analyst for the crew. Uh, that, that When that family is not doing soccer, they're doing – real estate which is a weird family tradition but i kind of respect it um up next is oakland versus monterey bay yeah oakland gets off the schneid here i don't believe in monterey at all i backed a draw here and i would actually think this could be our first nil nil result of the year that's yeah i i was not super thrilled about having to pick this match. Uh, Cause again, I'm not sure who Oakland is this year. Like they were an okay team last year that snuck in uh, Monterey Bay is two games in. Um, so I went with draw uh, just to, cause I, I couldn't pick one over the other right now. Cool. I, uh, I, I picked Oakland and it, and it's yeah. Similar to John. I just, I just don't see it for Monterey Bay. And I think Oakland have enough about them to, to see this one out. Who did I predict? What did I say? Oh Monterey yeah. Bay. I knew I was on this. I think this is going to be Monterey's Bay's first, first win. Um, I, I don't believe in Oakland, but I believe slightly more in Monterey Bay. I don't think it's going to be a draw. I think both teams are too bad to keep a draw. <laughs> Just to be honest. So or or a nil-nil draw anyway. So we'll 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 see. Um after that, uh the rising versus the loyal. Oh yeah. Keep forgetting I'm supposed to be going first here. This one's going to be a draw for me as well. Um, Phoenix hasn't looked the sharpest in the last game and a half or so, and I'm obviously very high on what San Diego is doing right now. Tough with the midweek game, but I think it's a draw for San Diego. 
we'd spoken about it earlier in the uh, episode, just talking about how difficult it is to travel to go all the way out to Tulsa, one of the furthest possible teams away on San Diego's schedule this year, then to travel all the way back to Phoenix. I think they're going to be exhausted this year. And you're looking at a Phoenix team who has taken the third most shots in the league. I think Phoenix tires out San Diego and gets a win here. Yeah, uh, off uh, a source inside Loyal is not happy that this happened, a East Coast and then back to another away match against Phoenix. Uh, these are two teams that I think play each other well. Um, yeah, Phil, find, find me another one that isn't Oakland. Um, no. Are we calling Tulsa East Coast? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Every anything <laughs> west, of, anything. I just, I just want to really. Here in San Diego, anything north of Orange County is Northern California, and anything east of of Denver is East Coast. Because once it's past Denver, it might is as it well even be New east York. of Denver. Are they even east of Denver? Yeah, Tulsa. Are they? Yes. See now, Man, see now we've got East Coast. Now we now we have like Southeast bias creeping in. Like you don't know where Denver is. I thought they. <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking. Yeah, go on, uh, go on with yeah. your life. But these these are two teams that I think know each other very well and know how each other play. Uh, this is always one I circle on my calendar because mm-hmm. I think Loyal can get things off of Phoenix as they've done in the past, even in Phoenix. But I don't think they have enough to get a win. I'm going with draw here. In all fairness, I was thinking about Albuquerque. Um, I was, I, I was thinking about Albuquerque, not Tulsa. I, I don't, don't listen. I barely got into Alabama, and that should tell you something. Um, it's yeah, it's Phoenix, it's Phoenix that that wins it. But I think Loyal's travels are the reason that it that it happens more so than anything else. I still believe in San Diego. Um, I'm picking the Loyal again. I I know I'm thinking about last week, but I'm also – and I think Harry kind of mentioned it. The second half against Monterey Bay, I was not impressed with Phoenix that much, and then it just continued into the lights. I know they're probably going to bounce back and I'm going to be proven wrong, but I really like um, – I really like what the Loyal are doing, and I'm just not a big believer in – and as big of a believer in Phoenix right now. I mean, yeah, loyal, loyal are, you know, a, a couple second, like a 97 minute own goal from having a draw against LA galaxy two on their resume. So it's like the lights result, the second half against Monterey Bay, they were already up four nil. Like I I'm not ready to write Phoenix off, like as the best team in the West, like based off of, you know, that, necessarily okay i was thinking about where to be fair albuquerque is west of denver <laughs> screw off you're ahead here gaylor quit while you're ahead i i haven't been ahead this entire episode um <laughs> the lights versus area code yeah i mean I, I can't pick Las Vegas, can I? So I'm going with Memphis here. There's no way they string together two wins. Well, they have to play El Paso in between, so they okay. play tomorrow, which is... This doesn't change my opinion on... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I backed Memphis for this as well. I'm looking back. It was only at one point last season that Las Vegas strung together two wins in a row, and that was them beating Tacoma and Oakland. 
at the early portion of the season, but I'm going to back Memphis to win this one. Alan? I went with 901. Oh. Yeah, 901. I went with this being my lock of the week. I picked area code. Um, this means that the Las Vegas is guaranteed to win, right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. And we're going to get laughed at by actually nobody in Las Vegas camp has even celebrated towards us yet. So um, it, just in case anybody's listening, I still think Cal Jennings is one of the best strikers in the league. So they reported their attendance is like almost 8,000 people. That I mean, if you saw the highlights, you know that's hilarious. They were on the beds, they, they were all on the beds, don't worry, or they possibly were, storming the field afterwards. They were drunk and saw double. <laughs> <laughs> the llama counted. <laughs> um, finally, we got Rio Grande versus San Antonio. Um, instead of picking picks, uh, over under. Nine and a half yellow cards given out in this match. Go. <laughs> Under, but I do want to say I think San Antonio is going to smash RGB in this game. Both teams have a combined 12 yellow cards uh, to start the year. So I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll make it a push and then uh, San Antonio wins. <laughs> Alan. Oh, I picked draw. I think we talked about this before. RGV is a difficult place to go and make soccer happen. Um, and they make soccer happen pretty pretty good down there in RGV and make other teams not soccer as good. Uh, so I'm going with the draw. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Phil? I... Uh... I specifically took a contrarian view here. I think San Antonio goes down to Edinburgh and, and loses uh, a close game, and I'll take the over on the yellow cards. I, I'm i feeling over as well. I, have a, I just feel like this is going to get so nasty and sloppy, and I'm so here for it because, neither, because my team is not involved. Um, I picked San Antonio, but when I first started doing my predictions, I definitely wrote down Rio Grande first. I think San Antonio just has the better team, and I want to believe in that. But also, Rio Grande, I they're just weird, man. I don't get it. Maybe San Antonio. What was that? Maybe San Antonio just like gets all their players kicked off field at once and i who knows it's going to be wild and stupid i'm excited about it but that is all of our predictions um very this was a kind of a long episode but there was a lot to talk about lots uh lots to discuss and i'm sure we'll be talking about even more red cards next week mostly about the seven that come out of rio Grande versus san antonio and it's going to be great it's going to be awesome um also, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, Twitter is going to go crazy when Orange County and San Antonio finally match off against each other. If we can just go ahead and call that the uh, Power Rankings Derby, um, we're just going to go with that one. You can go ahead and uh, take that title, John. You're welcome. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine Andy and Harry going at it? We're in luck because that's on April 9th. Orange County hosts San Antonio. <laughs> Let's go. Coming up. Oh man. 
Well, we went long uh, today, so let's go ahead, get ourselves out of here, check the YouTube channel out, check out some possible merch, check out the Twitter stuff, follow everybody on here on Twitter, and go show Gio some love. Uh, he couldn't be here, had some had some baby stuff come up, you know. We'll forgive him today. Um, but, you know, go show him some love as well. John, what do you guys say for the folks? Uh, I am happy that my Arizona Coyotes didn't really trade anybody at the deadline and are still going strong at the tank. It keeps the guys I like, and it keeps us on the path for maybe getting the number one pick. So we'll have to mix in some hockey here. Ryan? I guess for me is uh, I've been having a lot of pasta and chicken meals lately, and I'm looking for new suggestions of food or dishes to create. I also have an air fryer, so if anyone has any good air fryer meals, please let me know. Mm. I have recent, or I say recently, I have gone fully kicked uh, meat and fish. So curry, uh, anything curry and veggies is always good and and honestly, tofu, not that bad. Not great, but not that bad. Um, Ringing endorsement of tofu there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> tofu, yeah. it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> An endorsement of how it tastes. Hey, this one uh, is. Lordy, Alex. lordy, lordy. Uh, it's spring break uh, for me, so I have... Um, I have started my uh, playthrough of the Master Chief Collection of Halo, uh, so I've been going back and playing through that, and uh, it is quite an enjoyable like story and game. And I forgot how much I enjoy playing Halo, like not online against other people because I get really mad at that. So I've been uh, going through the missions, and uh, it's it's fun. It's like a little bit horror. It's more horror than I remember. So, uh, yes, uh, Halo the master chief collection it's and the remastered ones are great like you can play the old school visuals or like the updated vision i just love how what they did with the game i am currently on uh i just finished halo 3 today so that's how that's going phil um yeah i'm i'm uh I'm going to be that guy. It's my birthday this weekend. So I'm just, uh, yeah, uh, I get to, I'll be out in Chicago and I get to celebrate with my family and stuff. So just looking forward to spending some quality time. Um, and John talking, John talking NHL, uh, like my old team is dead to me. So if anyone wants to campaign for me to become a fan of their team in hockey, that's I'm, I'm a free agent because, uh, my, uh, former franchises like hot garbage so uh and not from a playing standpoint from an off the ice standpoint um so yeah anyways if anyone has a hockey team that they're super passionate about i'm i'm a free agent so well happy um, birthday birthday <laughs> i couldn't think of a more fitting sound to to associate with with my birthday of course <laughs> um i will go ahead give my glowing review and Mine was going to be about hockey as well. I was just about, I was literally typing the tweet um, to start some trash talking with John when I remember that Phil Kessel hates the Sharks and will just score against the Sharks. I, I will. Um, my glowing review of the Sharks is that Evander Kane doesn't play for them anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. But boy, um, does he look good for Edmonton. God, there's, if they just had a keeper, man. Um, 
Uh, my my outro or my little bit is that man, it would be. Uh, I wish UA, the University of Alabama, would just like not be so harsh on our whenever they're sending out weather stuff because we had tornadoes and stuff. By the way, like apparently a tornado went over my house and they just did not put out a tornado warning like 45 minutes before the show started. So that was sick. Um, like apparently there was a funnel cloud and everything, but we had like flash flood warnings and UA calls and the little robot lady and I quote said, hello, UA alerts. And she said, do not drive on the roads. You will die from drowning. And I was like, Jesus Christ, robo lady. That's like harsh. <laughs> you'll get so, you'll get an e- you'll get an email tomorrow telling you. <laughs> I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. But thank you everybody for listening. Again, this was a bit of a longer show, but you know, I had a great time. It's always great to see these guys and talk a lot of soccer and I guess a little bit of hockey talk. Um, we'll never say no to a little bit of ho- free hockey talk. But check out the YouTube. Kit Season comes out tomorrow. Uh, another The Short Show being hosted by Ryan on Thursday. And, yeah, that's about it. Thank you guys so much for watching. Q Allen's voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.